This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Oakshade Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host, Welcome to season five. Here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Welcome to the Oak Shape Podcast. What's up? I'm your host, Dan. Hey, I got the sniffles this week, so forgive my voice. It's a little scratchy or whatever, but ain't going to hold me back. We're sitting down with Jason. He is a guy who was a stranger to me a few months ago. Uh, he reached out, and he has an idea for a product. He wanted me to check it out. When I did, I was like, dude, this is so cool. Bring it to market. Good luck. I'll do whatever I can to help you because I believe in the side hustle. I believe in entrepreneurship, and go for it, man. So this is going to be a fun check-in with him. He had an idea. He brought it to market. We're going to learn how he did it, and uh, it's just inspiring to hear entrepreneurial stories like this. To me, it's very encouraging to others. There's some good nuggets in here if you're working on a side hustle, or perhaps it might spark an idea that you could work on as a side hustle. I think it doesn't hurt to have different revenue streams in your life. Plus, we'll go over a couple of the financial principles. We're going to even discuss elk hunting in Washington and in other states, whether you're a veteran or just a rookie and you need ideas on how to get elk tags in your pocket. We're going to cover some of those cool ideas at the end. Without further ado, this is Jason with Wild Meat Gear, and you're listening to the Elk Shape Podcast. What's up, guys? Elkshade Podcast. Sitting down with a little entrepreneur, uh, my boy Jason. What's up, buddy? Hey, Dan. Good to see you. Good to talk to you. Likewise, man. Um, 
here we are. We're going to do a podcast. Your story is going to inspire people. No pressure. Don't blow it. <laughs> All right. So you reached out to me a while back and said, hey, I got this idea I want to share with you. And I was like, yeah, cool. I get I get a lot of these emails. Uh, share it. And you're like, yeah, sign this non-disclosure first. That I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> now I'm interested. So I signed your uh, non-disclosure. You sent me the information. I looked at it and it was a no-brainer. I was like, oh, dude, you got to do this. This is a great idea. Here we are. Your idea is now to the market. And uh, people come to this podcast maybe for some fitness inspiration, motivation, or elk hunting knowledge or personal development. And so I'm going to categorize this under my entrepreneurial side hustle, which I love and respect. Tell us what is your product and how did you get the idea for it? So the product now, um, and there will be more products coming, but it's a it's a labeling system for people who butcher, cut and wrap their own wild game. And uh, basically it's to clarify for the coming months down the road, when someone goes to the freezer from the household and wants to pick out a select cut of meat or know what species of animal they're getting, hey, th this stamp system that we developed clearly labels what you're gonna get. I know from my experience that um, generally butchering an animal is a, is a full day. And one of the last things you do in that day is get out the old Sharpie and try to think of the shortest abbreviation you can for all your cuts of meat. And I'm someone with poor handwriting anyway, so it's a bad combination when you're tired, you're in a rush and your handwriting's poor. So over the years, I've learned that my poor wife and kids are like, dad, what is this in the freezer? And unfortunately, sometimes I even forget how I how I scribbled my little code for sausage or backstrap or whatever. So I had the idea probably five years ago for creating a labeling system that would label packages of wrapped meat. And what we've come up with now is basically just uh, it's kind of like a library date stamp. You might have seen when you were a kid in the library. Uh, so you can roll different bands and they have different species, different cuts of meat and different ways to, to label either the years. Or if you're hardcore like you and you knock down three elk in a year, you can label them elk number one, elk number two and elk number three. So there's that option there as well. But that's the basic idea. Make it easy and clear at the end of a long butchering day. And then over the next few months, your, your wife, your kids have absolute clarity of what they're grabbing out of the freezer. Yeah. Uh, I love it, man. I got to put it to use, obviously, and um, it's pretty slick. I, I do like to butcher my own meat. Obviously, I think over time it'll save you money. Um, it's not going to save you time, that's for sure. Uh, we did four elk in one day at my buddy's house, and the only reason we were able to do that is because he has over – I did the math. He's got over $12,000 worth of gear at his house that he accumulated over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so we're talking commercial grinder, commercial vacuum sealer, uh, stuffer, and then just all the tools of the trade. And uh, it's a labor of love. Yep. But I got to tell you, my wife has complained in the past because I have got the, the butchering fatigue. And the last step is to label with the Sharpie. And I don't have great penmanship. And she doesn't know my abbreviations. And so, you know, using your product is super awesome. So when I saw it, I was in. I'm like, yeah, I'm committed. This is, this is awesome. And it's your side hustle. So what's your main hustle? What do you do for work? 
So my main uh, hustle, my main job used to be a side hustle. So uh, just for a little bit of background, I'm a mechanical engineer, graduated from UW in the late 90s and went to work in the power plant industry and managed uh, natural gas fired power plants. So jet engines that are designed to turn generators and was in that field with a couple different international firms for about 16 years. Um, but man, the corporate life was not for me. I could have easily, I mean, I had access to climb the ladder, but I just didn't want to do it. It was not what was calling my name. And so back in 2010, my wife and I, um, partnered with another couple to start a foot care product uh, company for endurance athletes, like um, Ironman triathletes, marathon runners, people who do a lot of daily training and really abuse their feet. And one of those products was basically an effervescent foot soak with some special ingredients that at, at the end of the training, they would soak their feet. Well, I came to find out this is basically a bath bomb uh, which was a new concept to me, but uh, with special ingredients. And I'm like, hey, I'll figure out how to how to form these things. And so I developed this air-powered machine. Um, the business never went anywhere because the other couple moved away and started a different thing. But I said, hey, guys, I've got this machine and it's kind of infancy design phase. Can I continue to run with this and see if I can bring it to market and sell the machine rather than the initial products we were uh, working on together? And they said, go for it, do whatever you want. So in uh, 2010, bathbombmachine.com started. I never in a million years dreamed I'd be in this market, but uh, there's a little bit of engineering and a whole lot of entrepreneur business type stuff into it. And I, uh, I, asked, I also got a business degree, a master's in business after college um, while working full-time and just always wanted to have my own thing. So that Machine business was a side gig until August of 2017. Yeah, we just passed the five-year mark this last summer. When I walked away from, um, I was working for General Electric at that time, managing contracts with power plants in Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. Um, and um, so I've been doing this machine stuff full-time. Um, I'm in an office. I started out at home. Now I have, you know, legit commercial space. Um nearby and uh yeah doing this full time and, and never stop coming up with ideas which is a blessing and a curse i've got a list of a whole bunch of companies i like to start but um we're gonna we're gonna move into this uh hunting wild meat gear scenario so what other ideas do you have without giving away your next move you know when we talked i was like man it'd be cool to see you guys offer a bunch of solutions when it comes to DIY butchering. We just published a video on YouTube and I didn't, I didn't think it would hit. And, um, we got 34,000 views in the first week, which I'll be honest, I don't pay attention to that stuff. My producer does. And he was very pleased. He he was convinced that video would not go well with our audience, but there was a lot of interest. People want more videos on that. And so I was like, huh. And I know there's other companies out there that kind of dabble with that stuff, but it's like, what other you got to start at the core. What other solutions do you have to these problems that your crystal ball shows? So what I'm, what I'm looking at is basically the time between an animal drops, hits the ground and it's on a plate uh, being served to you or your family. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that happens there. I've got a whole list of products. Maybe you and I should go over later. But um, there's a lot of things basically to make 
hunters' lives easier, uh, to help the process go quicker and safer, and help their family and friends be able to enjoy this meat that, honestly, they generally want to share with other people. Um, so that's kind of the genre. Um, you know, you look at tents, there's a lot of companies in tents, backpacks that people have that dialed in. So I'm kind of focusing in on, on uh, after the kill and to the plate. So in that area. That makes sense. Totally does. Um, I, I guess with a master's in business, which is something I definitely covet, I have a master's in exercise physiology. Very worthless. I wish I'd got it in business because I seem like that's what I'm in. I'm in business. When it comes to starting your own business, which you've done now twice and you're going to continue to do, let's let's shed some light for our listeners on the first couple initial steps that you need to do without quitting your day job to get this side hustle off the ground. Yeah, so I think, you know, you've got to you've got to identify kind of a pain point in the market. Um, I generally think it should be something that you know about and you care about and uh, figure out a solution that people, once they see it, like your reaction is like, oh yeah, that's a no brainer. Um, sometimes that's easy to do. Sometimes it's not easy to do. I, I try to hang eh, two or three things before the bath bomb machine and they never went anywhere. Um, granted, I'm not a marketing guru and don't feel bad about the MBA. I think real world experience is 10 times more valuable. Um, sometimes I think those two and a half years would have been better spent just trying stuff and seeing what sticks, but anyway, it's done, but yeah, try to find something that can really help person or, and I think being in a niche is good because you have fewer competitors and you always will have competitors. Even if you start out with none, people will enter that market and compete with you. Um, you know, kind of from, a a business structure standpoint. I like the LLC. It's limited liability corporation. It's a little bit of a dividing line between you and your personal finances and what's going on with the company. You can form that uh, usually through your state secretary of state um, website pretty easily for not much, you know, hundred bucks or so, a couple hundred bucks, maybe at the max. Um, I'm here in Washington, as you are. I'm on the west side. You're on the east side. Uh, it, it's it's pretty straightforward. They have phone numbers you can call, and they'll help walk you through it if you need to. But that just gives you a little bit of separation. You get a business license number, which you can go to a bank and open a legit business account. And if you want to get paid, which is what business is about, ultimately, you need to have a business account for a credit card processor to dump those funds into as as you student as you do start getting sales. So those are just kind of some introductory basics there. Yeah. So the introductory reel I made and posted to Instagram, I'm trying to pull it up. I just wanted to show your product and I wanted to kind of just get first eyes on it through, oh, there it is. 27,000 views that reel's gotten. And all I did was, yeah. And all I did was just show your product and how I was using it the day we butchered a couple elk at my buddy's house. So 27,000 eyeballs saw that, which is cool. You can measure that. That's kind of marketing. And, and, and honestly, I just came across and I try to come across as always authentic, real, transparent. And uh, if you're trying to sell something, then just tell them you're trying to sell them that. That's always been my model is to shoot people straight. And uh, did, you, did you get any orders from those reels, do you think? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, so I hadn't gotten a single order until, until you posted something and, um, a lot of eyeballs on it, you know, basically if, if you have a product and you have a website, that doesn't really mean squat until you get eyeballs on it. There's so much going on for people's attention, so much competition that there's this thing called obscurity. Frankly, no one knows you exist and have this great product. And that's the main reason why I reached out to you, Dan, is I'm impressed with what you're doing with fitness, family, faith, business, hunting, all of that. And you have worked hard with your hustles to, to grow an audience. And um, like 27,000 eyeballs, that's, that's amazing. And so, yeah, when you posted that, sales started rolling in. And I hope they continue. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I wanted to get you on the podcast. I want to get your product out there and I will provide links in the show notes. But, but the bottom line is, is I want people to listen to this episode today. Maybe some of them will want to grab a hold of your product, which I certainly encourage because I think having your meat organized, I don't do the cooking in my house. My wife does. And I have been yelled at about how crappy of a job I've done organizing the meat. But the, the truth is, is if you want to have meat in your freezer year over end and do it on the public land ranch, you got to put the work in. So that's why, that's where we are at right now, because that's what we sell. But the other thing is, is you got to be able to, I don't know, find other, you know, this podcast is designed to get people inspired. And that's why you're here for the, the side hustle. This could be a cool podcast to listen to in a few years, Jason, when mm-hmm. you shut down everything and this is your full-time gig. And I really believe that could be a thing for you. So when we talk about side hustles, that means working when the kids go to bed. That means getting up early. That means a lot of things. So let's go over the unsexy stuff real quick because you've done this before. What does it take to get this to market? What does it take behind the scenes? Peel back the layers. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's just go back to 2017. I was working a day job full time. Um, I had demands there that were definitely real. I was traveling. I was working from home um, for my day job because we were just spread out all over the nation. But um, business on the side really started to take off that year. And so here was my daily schedule for months up at five building machines in the garage, boxing, shipping, quick breakfast, say hi to the kids, hit the office upstairs from basically eight to five, couple hours with the family and dinner in the evening, then back in the, in the factory building machines until 11 o'clock. And it was like this double-edged sword because it was super exciting. I loved it. I'm like, holy cow, our baby has taken off. And it was awesome. But I, after a few months, I realized, I remember talking to my wife in the backyard. I'm like, I feel like I'm serving two masters and I'm not doing either one very well. Um, And so we were at that point, thankfully, where we could make a choice to to walk away from my full-time job. The side gig that I had been working on for years had grown to the point where we, we could make that choice. And we did in a very, very quick, we didn't like think about it for months. You know, obviously we talk about this sort of thing for years, but like when the time came where it could happen, we're like, Hey, we better grab this by the, you know what, and, and ride this thing, because if we don't, we're going to regret it. And we don't want to have that missed opportunity. And so 
you know, time goes on, we've grown, we've got commercial space, we've got employee, and we can, we continue to work with more and more shop, specialty shops in the area to do different things. Um, and I, but it's ultimately right now, mainly me, I'm what I call a chief everything officer. Some days I love that. Some days I'm pulling my hair out because I want to focus on strategic business planning and new product design. I feel like that's really what my gifts are but I'm packaging or I'm ordering bolts and screws through McMaster car or, you know, all these little things that have to happen. Um, and I don't have anyone else to farm that out to yet. Uh, I'm working on that, but there's a lot of hats. There's no, no two days are the same. Um, I do have free time that is beyond what I have with my corporate job. And that is perhaps the main reason I love doing what I'm doing. Um, time is a fleeting thing, man. And my kids are growing up so fast, it's shocking. Uh, we have twin daughters that are 16. They're driving now, which is just crazy to me. And our son, uh, Caleb, is 13, going on 14 here in a couple months. And so there's a lot going on with them. And that time with them is precious. And so I want to be able to you know, like this afternoon, I'm leaving early, not long after we're talking now, and we're going mountain biking. And we're just that time flexibility. Granted, I don't do that every day. But like when opportunities arise, I jump at it. Um, and I couldn't have done that with my former job. I felt like it was kind of a nine to five jail sentence, so to speak. Other people might have loved it. But for me, I just had this mentality of like, higher productivity, get it done and then move on to the next thing. And I, I remember I just had to be in that office, even if I got my work done. So it's just a different mentality that I have, I guess, and wanted more time freedom. And, and also the opportunity to grow a business, your income um, has the chance to be much higher than if you're working uh, for somebody else. Um, and that's a motivator as well, for sure. And being able to grow something, see your product in the marketplace and, um, develop new ones it's a pretty cool thing that that was gold i uh, i remember starting elk shape in 2014 and it wasn't till 2019 that i went full-time into elk shape so your story of going into the garage and building machines was the same for me it was waking up and editing podcasts editing youtube videos and in the evenings emailing sponsors and planning elk shape camps but all the while i still had this gym I had employees, I had members, I had to teach classes, and I had to serve two masters. So my question for you is, because I remember this vividly, my first week of doing Elk Shape full-time, I mean, time flew by, but I was like, holy crap, how did I ever do both of these at the same time? Because I'm just doing Elk Shape, and I did so much in a day. How, how the heck was I able to do this? And looking back immediately, I was like, wow, how was that first week for you? You know, the first week I had this surreal calmness about it. I, you know, um, I'm not like a cliff jumping, massive risk taker guy. I'm pretty strategic and planned, but I am willing to take risks. You know, I'm just not reckless, I guess I would say. So I was pretty calm that first week. Um, but, you know, the next year, 2018 was a much slower year than I had anticipated. And I didn't question our decision, but I was a little bit on edge for a while. And we just kind of had to tighten our expenses up and 
Um, but we got through it. And ultimately, I, I started developing new products because I finally had the time to. And um, that has really allowed the business to grow to a new level. And um, right outside a couple of doors here, I'm working on hopefully the finishing touches of another prototype that uh, will hopefully uh, let that business grow again and serve more customers. Because what's, what's cool for me, it's not about the machines, but I hear feedback from my customers as to what the machines do for them and their small businesses. And that's awesome. It's, it's really cool to see how I can help other business owners grow their businesses. And they do amazing creative things that I never would have dreamed of with our equipment. Um, so I just try to make the best equipment I can, fast, easy, and safe, and design a good product, you know, kind of do the engineering nerd stuff. And they're the creators and growing their businesses. And that feedback from them is, is pretty inspiring for me. Necessary step to growing your business is scaling, something that I admittedly struggle with, relinquishing control of certain things because I am kind of a uh, a CEO that does everything and I want it done as well as I can do. And uh, it's been tough, I'll be honest. Uh, so was able to have my wife quit her job. She didn't work that much, but she was a nurse. She makes great money as a nurse, but like it was just, it came to a point where just it was more of a hassle the days she had to go to the hospital for me running elk shape. So we just did the math, tighten our expenses and had her quit. Uh, obviously not having a lot of debt helps you make decisions like that. For sure. And, uh, I mean, dude, I, I see the comments. I see the forums. I've read people's stuff. I got, I got a few haters out there and, uh, I like their comments cause they don't know shit, but they, they, they assume that, I'm raking in a ton of money at Elk Shape or that my daddy gave me money. And I can fortunately tell everybody I this is all off of the same thing that I do apply to elk hunting. It's discipline. I started a, a Roth when I was 18 years old. Nice. Good I, for you. I used to I actually made more money in my early 20s than I do now. I was a very successful personal trainer. And um, I didn't spend that money, saved it and bought a house. And we're just about... To, to do the last check, the last payment on our mortgage, and then we're done. We don't, we own this house outright. Good for At you, age, man. That is yeah. awesome. At age 41. And I can tell you, it's my base salary as a gym owner was 36K for 10 years. Mm. So if you look deep into what it's all about discipline, it's, and, and I don't make great money decisions like, my interest rate on my house is 3.2%. And I understand inflation and I understand that I could put that money towards other things, but that's not how I'm wired. I like not owing anybody nothing. Yeah, it's I hear just, you. You feel that? So one of the things that I read was that uh, oh, basically they thought I was raking in the money. And, and don't get it wrong. Like I definitely am about making a profit, but at the end of the day, I'm about chasing time, like you said. Like that's the most uh, elusive thing that we can pursue is time and it is fleeting. Um, but scaling is one of those things that's going to help you grow. And like I said, I suck at it. And I, so I've hired my wife. She's doing some of the things that I used to do, the accounting, the books, billing, invoicing, and putting out fires. Then I hired Jake. He's my cameraman. He's my handyman. He films, he edits. I keep him busy and it's been really, um, a scary for me that like increase my payroll. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's responsibility there, right? 
a lot. People are counting on me, and I like betting on me, and I like pressure. So what's your advice for scaling? Because you've done it, and you need to continue to do that. You know, (laughs) the advice I have, I'm not sure it's good advice, honestly, because I struggle kind of relinquishing control. And I struggle thinking, okay, can we really afford this? But let me just give you an example. So when we moved into this space about a year and a half ago, uh, I hired our first part-time employee and got him trained up um, building machines. And over time, his capabilities continue to grow to the point where um, he's he's one by one taking some items off of my to-do list. So like virtually all machines he assembles. He's getting more into the packaging and shipping. He's into video, uh, videoing and editing. So we're both rookies at the video scene, but video has power and staying power. And so we're putting out videos and he's helping big time with that. Um, I'm looking, but he's planning on joining the Marine Corps soon. He's a recent high school graduate from the homeschool program that we're involved in. So I'm going to be losing him sometime early next year. Uh, so I'm looking to hire another another person to replace him, but also um, I have this thing, I, this business uh, association I want to join that will hopefully kind of give me some clarity. But I need to work with a marketer. I need to work with someone who can um, do some of the day to day, I don't know, administrative type stuff. I feel like I still need to handle a customer uh, communications. Um, I feel like that's really kind of my baby because um, I know the product and I know them better than someone who's just working part-time for me. Um, But getting some minor, more minor things off my plate so I can focus on the major things uh, I think will be extremely helpful. I'm, I'm a poor marketer. I basically, my business to this point is make a great product, throw it online and people will come and start talking about it. There's probably better ways to do that, but that's that's what I've done uh, so far with the with the machine business. Yeah, I think the like if I was in your shoes, uh, and obviously we're really transparent here, I would try to film 15 and 30 second vertical pieces showing the product, telling a story, and have great visuals, good audio, maybe some background music, and I would spend the money on the social media ads have the ad insertion in front of some YouTubes. You can do some keywords and figure out what kind of videos people are watching. Like there's a YouTube channel called Butchering Bros. They have a big big YouTube channel. I would get my ads in front of their videos and I would get online. And and I think that kind of stuff would, would help drive some traffic. And then you could always, like that's the one thing about social media ads is they have a lot of analytics that you can see what's working, what's not. You can control your budget. Um, we've done a lot of ads on the Elk Collective, that's the, uh, that company I own with John Gabriel, and that's that elk hunting, online elk hunting course. It's a badass course, but no one knows about it, so we have to do the ads, and John does all the ad buying for that, but we spend money to make money, uh, which is cool, and um, it's definitely not like my strength. It's de- That's why he does it, and I don't. Um, I'll, I'll make the ad. I'll make the video. But I don't know how to like so finding somebody or watching taking an e course or just the University of YouTube finding a ways to do that and that's a moving target obviously but I agree with you video is really cool telling your story connecting and then having customers help tell your story leaving online reviews sharing with their friends uh, because your product's good for like 
especially like stocking stuffers for every hunter or huntress, like that's a no brainer. And then once they get to use it, they're going to be like, aha. And then who knows what else you're cooking up your sleeve. I can't wait to hear. Elk Shape Camps 2023. What goes on at Elk Shape Camp? A lot of stuff, but basically I can distill it down to this. We're going to sniff out your weaknesses, write you up a blueprint to tackle them head on and make sure that you're consistently getting into elk. You're consistently training and eating clean year round. You're disciplined and dialed at home, at your job or employment, and that you're making disciplined decisions that are going to lead to more success in life and in the mountains. Phoenix, Arizona, January 20th through the 22nd at Wilderness Athlete HQ, March 3rd through the 5th in Stonewall, Texas, right next to Numa HQ, Julian Ranch, California, March 31st through April 2nd. This is in SoCal right outside of San Diego. Plus, we are going to do our inaugural women's only elk-shaped camp on March 30th. Gals, you are invited. It's a women's only event on the 30th, and then you'll jump right into the rest of the camp. We also have couple discounts. Make sure to shoot us an email if you want to know about that. Vortex Edge in Wisconsin, April 14th through the 16th. We came here last year. It's such an amazing facility. It's so easy to put on a camp there. We can't wait to meet more Wisconsin or Midwest folks. And last but not least is a two-day intensive camp for elite Onyx members only in Green Acres, Washington, June 17th through the 18th. Early bird prices go until October 31st. Regular prices kick in November 1st and late registration starts January 1st, 2023. We hope to meet you at an elk shape camp near you-ish. And we have military discounts, regardless if you're currently serving or have served in the past, email us to inquire within. Yeah, the stocking stuffer idea is a great one. Um, We just put a post out today just to kind of get people thinking about Christmas. I know, you know, here it is uh, a couple months before, but hey, especially for, you know, people in the household with hunters, spouses, kids, whatever, this is a great uh, gift for uh, hunters in your in your family for sure. Well, I want to finish with telling your hunting side of things. How long have you been a hunter? Uh, unfortunately, you live in Washington. We both know it's it's a difficult state to have success in, which is why I don't hunt it very much. But I mean, I have hunted it. Um, what, did you start? Did you grow up in a hunting family? No, didn't grow up in a hunting family. Um, uh, my mom was a nurse. My dad was a pastor. Um, somehow my older brother was able to convince them to get a BB gun. And so he and I, you know, tagged all sorts of little critters in our backyard with that BB gun growing up. And, um, that's just kind of where it stayed. I I never really got into hunting until I was an adult, probably about, uh, 18 years ago. So crazy story. My grandpa had a, an old Remington 22, uh, rifle that he gave me, um, old, old gun. And our house was broken into and it was stolen. Big bummer. But with the insurance money, um, they let me buy any other kind of rifle I wanted. So I got a big game hunting rifle, a, a Tika T3, 300 Winchester short mag, uh, put a nice scope on it. And uh, my brother married into a hunting family. His wife's from Missoula, Montana. And so he started inviting me on hunts. And so I had probably 15 years of big game rifle hunting. A uh, couple, couple mule deer, love the hunting, but unfortunately none of us in the household really liked the meat. I don't know why, it's too bad. But uh, 
got, we've gotten, I've gotten five elk over the years with the rifle and, and got three elk, uh, three years in a row to the point where, well, one elk a year, but three years in a row in Washington. And I started thinking, I got this figured out, but then hit a, uh, uh, a dry streak of a couple of years after that. But I was hunting Eastern Washington with rifle. It's cold. It was always raining and snowing at the same time. It seemed like, and I get cold easy. Um, I got really cold climbing Mount Rainier once years ago, uh, years ago. And ever since I feel like I've had really poor circulation in my extremities. And so that late season hunt just started getting more and more difficult for me. And I made the mistake one fall after I got home of turning on YouTube and searching elk hunting and a born and raised outdoor channel popped up. And I started watching this elk hunting in September where it was warmer and you could call these elk in and you had these close encounters that were just crazy. And so I started thinking about that. So over the next couple of years, I was still rifle hunting, but learning and trying to get the gear necessary to switch over to archery which i did i guess three years ago now and it's a whole nother ball game um uh, way harder way more strategic in in a lot of ways um at least compared to what i was doing i feel like this requires way more skill and so far i suck at it <laughs> like i went out uh eight days this this season um didn't see a single elk and I really, I, I'm a member of the Elk Collective, learned a lot from that. My mantra this year was stay mobile. So I had several areas pre-planned. I didn't want to get married to one spot. And if I wasn't seeing fresh elk, man, I was going to move on within 24 to 36 hours. And so I, I moved several times. And unfortunately, I was, I was very close to a, a nice sounding bull opening morning. I figure I was probably 150 yards away. We were, we were talking back and forth for a while. But the woods were so dry and noisy. It was like walking on potato chips. And I reached a point where I could, I felt like I could not go any closer. I, um, I just needed him to come into me. And he had just, he just went silent, never heard from him. And that was the only bugling action I had the entire season. I, I couldn't believe it. Um, so yeah, not much of an accomplished archer yet. I love being able to shoot in my backyard. Um, you know, I was into reloading with my rifle. I, I like the fact that you can just pull an arrow out of the target and shoot it again. Um, so there's there's several aspects of that. And I just enjoy being in the woods, um, getting away from the hustle and bustle of life and seeing God's beauty, enjoying some fresh water out of some mountain stream and just being out there. But it's nice to get some action with seeing some animals too. I, I will I will admit I uh it's a little bit of motivation for next year to find, find better spots for sure. Yeah, dude. So were you, you hunting Washington archery season? Yeah. And I, you know, where we hunted rifle in Eastern Washington, it was a spike only situation for over the counter tags. And I really wanted to hit, I really wanted to get a bull. And so I've been getting Western Washington archery and then trying to hunt as close to that Pacific crest trail as possible, you know, ish, just to have not the full-on jungle that the Roosevelt guys deal with. Um, a little bit more open woods. It's not as open as I want, but um, yeah, that's the territory I've been hunting. What was the dates on that this year? I, I don't know. What was the archery dates this year? Uh, let's see. If I open, I believe it opened on September 10th, 
and it went through the 22nd, which was a Thursday. So I went out uh, evening of the 9th, came back the middle of the next week, was home for a couple of days and went out for a couple more days towards the end of the season. Another thing, it was pretty warm. It was pretty warm and smoky this year. I really don't know how that impacts things, but um, I was really hoping for some cooler temps to roll in and maybe that would help uh, get animals talking more. Yeah, dude, I, I roll around with a Washington muzzy tag um, just because I like the dates in October and I like that I can use a bow. Uh, not really too concerned about getting shot by a muzzleloader guy, but I've only truly tried that last year. Uh, I guess that was 21. Went into a badass spot. It was an eight-mile buy-in backcountry hunt and got in there and it was like money elk country, decent elk sign. I was there for three days and I covered all of it and I could not get a bugle and I couldn't believe it. Um, and I even had left the camera out, uh, put in the summer and I went and got that camera and all the bulls were daylighting and rutting during the archery season. And they'd pushed out of there whenever Muzzy opened And this year. My plan D was to go to Washington after I went to New Mexico, Idaho, and Montana, um, as you know, I, I got three bulls killed, and I kind of was feeling guilty if I went hunting again. Another, you know, honestly, being I was I had already hunted sixteen days total, and I was like, I, I don't need to kill another elk. I'll probably get criticized if I kill another elk, but I really wanted to go kill one more elk in Washington, especially. Um, I've only killed two bulls in Washington, Jason, and um, one was a public land over the counter. Actually, my first bull I've ever killed ever, and the other was a blues tag that I drew back in 2011, and that was really special before that place kind of, well, they're hurting right now with all the, they have a lot of wolves, as you know. They don't, we don't have a wolf management plan in Washington, and then they've done the research and found out that we have a lot of kitty cats down there that are crushing the calves, so um, man, it's tough, and one of my friends drew a rifle tag down there. He's actually, his hunt starts in four days. Jason Phelps, a lot of people know who that guy is. I don't think he's talked about it much, but that sucker finally drew, um, I probably can't say which unit, we'll just call it a blues tag rifle. Uh, he drew it with 12 points, which is pretty good. So we'll see how it goes for him. Uh, have you ever, like, where, that's the thing about Washington is like, if you want to put in for east side, which is the best, if you don't draw, which you're probably not, you're going to end up with an east side general tag. And I, I'm just not that impressed with the west side special permits, if you will. But does that does that bum you out that when you buy, you, you're not putting in for east side tags, basically? Yeah, yeah, big time. In fact, that was another reason why I made the switch from hunting rifle in the particular unit we were in um, to, to trying archery is I've been putting in for years for, uh, for a bull tag. And I had, I don't know, 11 plus points. And we were reaching the point where statistically, you know, either my brother or I was, was going to get something. And, and then all of a sudden new regs came out and the number of bull tags they issued for this unit went from like 56 to eight or something. I mean, a drastic yeah. reduction. And I started looking at those numbers and I thought, I could be putting in for this time 84 years old and not get drawn. And that was just really disheartening. Um, I thought I'm getting older. 
I'm feeling it in my body physically that like things are getting harder. I mean, I'm, I've been doing your 90 days to freedom program every morning, not every morning, but in the mornings in the garage. And I feel that man, I'm 47 now. And even from 41 to 47, I have felt a quantum change in my body and how it reacts to things. And so kind of the clock is ticking for me and I want to get, I want to get some action with the bull and I want to get them close and just have that really cool experience. Um, so I may be, I may be venturing outside of Washington state here in the, in the near future for the first time hunting big game. I think Washington state is a really good state for people that are looking for over the counter opportunities. The thing about Washington people need to know is you can't play the game, so to speak, if you want to put in for a, a limited or a special permit bull tag without getting a tag. You're going to buy an elk tag to play the game. That's very weird. Not a lot of states do that. Kind of sucks. But if you do do that and you end up with the tag, you'll end up with the tag on the side of the state that you chose for the draw. So if you wanted to put in for a special permit on the east side and you didn't draw, you got yourself an east side general tag. And same goes for the west side. And the dividing boundary is the PCT. Here's what I will say, though. The west side, Roosevelt, actual true Roosevelt, everything west of I-5 is a jungle. But you can definitely buy an over-the-counter tag. And there is opportunity there. Yeah. Sa- same with the east side. There there are a few elks scattered about in the northeast corner. I wouldn't do it, but they are there. And then you can also go into these special permitted units and shoot a true spike or cow, plus be surrounded by bugling bulls and learn a lot about elk hunting. Yep. So the two states that I think of for over-the-counter opportunities is Utah and Washington. Utah's got the same deal in a lot of their units that are basically surplus elk, they need them killed, they'll offer that over-the-counter cow or spike only. And those are good places to start. And some people get cringy when they hear me like drop this information. So I'm going to shut up now. But um, that's a good place to start for your research and what have you uh, and go from there. Now, if you're looking to go in out of state and play in the point game, I can give you an example of where I've pulled out. Um, Wyoming bighorn sheep tag I used to put in every year and it would cost me a hundred dollars a year for, for over 11 years. I did that. Basically I was limited to putting in for units that didn't have wilderness for a sheep tag. So it was like, I'd have a choice between one or two units and the odds were terrible. I finally pulled out. I'm tired of giving Wyoming a hundred bucks every year. So you have to be an adult at some point and decide now there's two States I'm Still in the draw game, and I don't know why. Colorado, I think I have 15 or 16 points for elk. Kind of one under the point creep. Kind of no, I'm in purgatory. And then same with Utah. I got 15. I'm one point under. So I don't know what I'm going to do there. But for now, I'm just going to keep donating money and hope that people draw tags or die. Preferably the draw part, not the die part. But you know what I'm saying. Like, it's... It is what it is, but what's what's on your radar? I mean, obviously, New Mexico, given that it's not a preference, it's a true lottery, probably should start putting in for that that state. What else? So I'm not nearly as knowledgeable about this as you are. Um, I've looked just a little bit, but I'm thinking about states that I can drive to primarily. So there's like Idaho, Montana. Um, a friend of mine just went on a guided mule deer hunt in Eastern, uh, Wyoming this year, got a dandy three point 
really nice. And he learned a lot, made some connections. So Wyoming's on the radar, not real big about hanging out with G bears. Um, seen some nasty pictures from those two wrestlers that got hit recently by a grizzly bear in Wyoming. Um, so I'm looking to avoid that, but, um, I don't know. I'm ready to see some new country. I'm not sure. I think for me, I want to target like an over the counter situation versus putting in points. Uh, you know, you've been doing that for 15 years. It sounds like I'm totally starting at zero at age 47. I'm not sure that it's worth it, but again, I don't know everything obviously. Um, but initially I just be looking at, okay, where can I walk up and buy a tag? or by a preference point the year before so that the year I want to go hunting, I can have a pretty good chance of getting a tag, uh, things like that. That's what I'm looking for. Well, Idaho, December 1st, get online, see what, where you could get in in line and hopefully you can pull off a, a good number to where you can go in and, and pick up a, basically pick up an over the counter tag kind of, um, Montana changed the rules so that at most you can have, I think is three points going into the general draw and then they wipe it back down to zero. So that should help shuffle getting people more general permits in Wyoming. Plus now you got to pick a weapon for their limited hunts. So like if you wanted to hunt, um, I don't know, the Missouri breaks, you got to commit to a rifle tag and you don't get to go flip flop hunt the general season with your bow and then you know what i mean so it's like it's some good changes but then there's some things that could change like i think colorado will probably have some reformation with their generosity i mean they sure give out a lot of tags to non-residents and they're hearing about it states like nevada are really really hard to get in on one thing people might overlook and this is my last little clue is watch nevada's website in the summer people turn tags back in and you can scoop them up but you got to be on your A game. So there's there's a lot of ways. Um, I trust Hunting Full. Those guys give me all this information I'm sharing. They're like they're like the best of the best. And uh, you can get a free membership to Hunting Full if you're a elite member of OnX. So just pick up the phone and call them anytime and do a phone consult, and uh, it'll be worth your while. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast, getting to know Jason and his entrepreneur spirit. He's just a normal dude like me in his 40s, loves hunting, loves family, loves faith, and is working on his own business side hustle. You can do the same. Jason, if people want to reach out to you, how do they do that? Uh, you can reach out to us uh, or my email at info, I-N-F-O, at wildmeatgear.com. Um, that's probably the best way. Cool. I'll leave a link to your Instagram. I'll put your um, website on there, a link to that. And guys, if you're into butchering your own meat, you should check out what he's selling is pretty dope. And remember, separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one. Guys, thanks for listening. That was fun. Jason, I wish you nothing but continued success. Keep working hard, hustling. And uh, if you guys dig this episode, share it with one of your friends. Maybe they need some encouragement or maybe they just need to get excited about something. I don't know. But if you're spending your time on your phone scrolling, put it down and work towards a side hustle or get back on the bandwagon towards your goals don't get distracted in a world full of distractions stay focused leverage whatever you need to for me it's elk hunting i leverage that to make disciplined decisions daily and stay on your grind separations in the preparation we'll catch you on the next one
Here at Oakshape, we're very picky on who we decide to partner with. We take our brand very serious. And if we have a partner, we want to brag about them because we believe in them. Numa Outdoors, that's the clothing we wear. Discount code ELKSHAPE20 will take 20% off your first order. Vortex Optics, Vortex Nation, proud partner since 2010. On X Hunt, become an elite member. This is the most reliable app for hunting on the market. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 20% off your elite membership. Buck Knives out of Post Falls, Idaho. They've been in business since 1902. Matthews Archery, a brand that not only has the same shared values, but continues to push technology and making the best bows on planet Earth. MagView, this is the digiscoping solution that simplifies the entire process. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 10% off. Wilderness Athlete, this brand makes supplements, does not specialize in marketing. They specialize in making you better and recover and being healthier. Discount code ELKSHAPE22 will take 30% off your first purchase. Spy Point Trail Cameras, Trail Camology. Trail cams are an extremely useful tool to help you scout, figure out game densities, and understand animal behavior. And they make very reliable trail cameras that you can count on. Kafaru International. The Hoodlum is my all-time favorite backpack for elk hunting. I don't even know how many elk I've packed out with that pack, but I always can count on it. The frame is in a league of its own, and Aaron Snyder is running a phenomenal company that we believe in. Crispy Boots, Crispy USA, Crispy Hunting. These boots are the best bang for your buck. Minimal break-in period. Lots of flex ratings to suit your style and terrain that you hunt in. Check out a Crispy dealer near you. Baku e-bikes out of Ogden, Utah. E-bikes made for hunters, by hunters. Use them where legal. It's efficient, quiet, and exhaust-free way to get in and get out of your tree stand or your hunting location. Black Rifle Coffee Company. Coffee is life. And this is a veteran-owned Pro 2A company. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 15% off. BlackOvis.com is where I do all my shopping, and I use my own discount code, which is ELKSHAPE. It takes 10% off. Fast and free shipping, a vast variety, and great customer service. Sheep Feet Orthotics for the Hunter. Put these in your boot and elevate your game. Leak less energy, prevent injury, and hunt more efficiently. Discount code ELKSHAPE takes 10% off. TheElkCollective.com. Digital elk hunting education, video driven. Enter the discount code ELKSHAPE podcast, all one word, to save a few bucks and get to learning. Fatty meat sticks from Smokewood. These are my go-to snacks when hunting protein and fat great energy sources super convenient delicious you can find them at any convenience store near you marsupial out of arizona they make the best bino packs period handcrafted here in the usa and we stand behind them 